Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. We're in Torah uh, studies 27 and 28 today out of Leviticus 12 through 15. It's a double portion, so uh, who's ready for a double blessing? Uh, You know, today uh, is perhaps the most important teaching uh, behind one of the main concepts in the Bible on living righteously on living pure and clean and holy in the eyes of God. And that concept, that divine principle, is uh, woven into the teaching on one of the main laws of physical purity in the Old Testament, again in Leviticus, and it's focused on a skin disease called tazarat, which is, we think it's leprosy, and it probably includes that, uh, and uh, other forms of skin disease. And so it really is a continuation of what we got into last week on the laws of keeping kosher, which is the physical, but it pointed us uh, to a spiritual principle on the importance of living a kosher life. Uh, and so this week, this, there's a similar concept that God presents in the context of addressing what to do if somebody gets a serious skin disease similar to leprosy. And it's a divine principle that addresses how we live. Uh, it's, it speaks to the decisions that we're making in life and how explicitly how our language, our vocabulary, our dialogue, our speech, our conversation in the physical, in the natural can lead to some serious damaging consequences in our life. And so God is showing us today how Lashan Hara, the evil speech, will dramatically affect somebody's physical life. Now look, Christians would be well served to take some advice from our Jewish counterparts, which is what we do here at New Beginnings. You know, for the past 3,400 plus years, uh, our Jewish brothers have taught how to overcome this physical skin disease by applying a spiritual remedy. There's something called spiritual cause and effect. What we do spiritually has an effect with what goes on in our physical world, in our natural world. And I really believe that it's part of the mystery behind why bad things happen to good people. 
Have you ever wondered that? How come bad things happen to good people? There can be a number of explanations, but today God gives us a specific explanation uh, in that the sin of gossip and other negative dialogue has consequences in the physical realm. We mistakenly believe, many mistakenly believe, that God won't hold us accountable for our bad attitude. That sinful behavior, negative conduct in some way, shape, or form doesn't have any consequences attached to it. And this is where sometimes we get confused with the grace message. Well, God's grace covers me from all of that. Well, yes, God's grace covers us, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the consequences of bad decisions, sinful decisions, will suddenly be eliminated. There will be consequences, right? Yes, God loves us. Yes, God forgives us when we sincerely repent. However, that doesn't mean that real-life consequences of sin just magically disappear. And so this is where you get into why do bad things happen? Because good people can sin. And we can make some bad mistakes. Sometimes unknowingly we make mistakes. We don't even realize the words coming out of our mouth might be sinful, negative, corrupt, and it's that kind of communication that's leading to some dramatic negative consequences happening in our family, in our health, in our finances, uh, and so on and so forth. It doesn't mean God doesn't love us. He does love us. Doesn't mean God doesn't forgive us. He does forgive us. But look at what Galatians 6, 7 says. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So here you see that God is showing us there's a law at work. And that law at work in this world is called spiritual cause and effect. Spiritually, I do something, positive or negative, and it leads to a harvest, positive or negative. You and I are responsible for activating the principles of sowing and reaping. God said in Genesis 8 that as long as we're here on, in this world, there will be seed, time, and harvest. And that can mean for the negative or the positive. Now, you and I are here today and we study this because we want to be on the right side of spiritual cause and effect. We want to be on the right side of sowing and reaping. But if we never understand our condition, we can never change our position. Amen? 
If you don't understand where you're at spiritually, if we don't understand what's coming out of our mouth, what kind of language we're involved with, if we don't even realize there's a connection to our speech and to our physical health, then uh, we can't improve our lot in life. How many of you want to see things get better and better and better and better? I see all your hands. Well, once you understand your condition, you're in a better position. Amen? Look, it's no accident that medical research today, including the Mayo Clinic, have discovered a biblical principle. They've discovered that negative speech and negative attitudes affect your health. Go on the Mayo Clinic and research that yourself. The bottom line is that poorly managed emotions, negative declarations, and bad conversations are bad for your health. Help me somebody. They create stress. They damage the immune system and open the door to medical problems. Now, not every church is going to teach this, and many Christians don't understand this principle. But God says in Galatians 6, don't be misled. I have a system of justice that manifests itself whether you understand it or not. So if we understand our condition, the condition of our dialogue, our conversation, and size that up and realize, oh my gosh, what manner of man have I become? We need to clean that up. And once you clean that up, God is saying, His principle is, that all of a sudden, the natural realm will improve when you improve the spiritual realm. On the flip side, there's positive health benefits linked to being positive. (laughs) Mayo Clinic. Who wants to live a longer life? Mayo Clinic. Increase your lifespan being more positive. Lower rates of depression and distress. No one wants to be uptight and nervous and anxious all the time. But that kind of of attitude, that kind of lifestyle uh, is, is built on the fact that we don't have our language right. Mayo Clinic says, if you want better uh, psychological and physical well-being, be more positive. If you want better coping skills during hardship and times of stress, be more positive. Look. You and I have gone through one of the worst episodes in American history, this pandemic. And yet, for many of us, I'll just take a wild stretch, and for all of us here and listening, we haven't been devastated, as some have, because we are faith-filled people. We're standing on the promises of God. We're learning and absorbing the Word of God. And it just creates an insulating factor in our lives where we can have peace in the midst of the storm. It's amazing, isn't it? The Bible and science agree. 
being positive and optimistic affects your health. And so does being negative and cynical. In other words, there's spiritual reasons for a physical breakdown. Now, there's other things that factor into that. But in today's lesson, we're going to learn that that, that physical skin disease, which is akin to leprosy, tazarat, has a spiritual cause, spiritual cause and effect, spiritual sowing and reaping. And since biblical time, Times this has been understood as a rebuke from heaven. That heaven is rebuking that person for being a gossip, for being slanderous, for being involved with all of this negative speech. And the result was not only that they suffered physically, but as well the offender suffered socially because they had to be isolated and quarantined. The disease would, prog- uh, would work progressively. It would afflict someone's home, the walls, the home, someone's clothes, and finally someone's skin. Unless the person changed their ways and followed the Torah's remedy, the purification process. And so I find it interesting that God provided a type of vaccine, even way back when, right? But you didn't get the vaccination from a doctor. You got it through the priest. Because the cause wasn't physical, it was spiritual. And so what the priest would prescribe is a process of repentance, And it focused on changing the person's vocabulary. Their dialogue had to change. Their conversations had to change. From a habit of being harsh and hostile about others, always sizing people up negatively. That's Lashon Hara. That had to change to being more positive. Hallelujah. Where you would be more inclined to think favorably of people. You're not rushing to judgment. You're not the one in the rock-throwing ministry. You know, and look, if you grew up like I grew up, man, everything in my house was critical. And, and a lot of people have that orientation where you just could never do anything good enough to please your, your, your parents. Your, and for me, I couldn't do anything good enough to please my dad. And so through the years, 35 years later, I still have to countermanage some things that were embedded in me from a very early age. And maybe you're in that position, but the Holy Ghost is working with you. The Word of God is working with you. You're on a positive journey with the Lord, and all of that is going to uh, uh, lead to a good harvest. Amen? So once the person started being more positive, that's when the healing process began. Uh, And so this approach of repentance, along with changing how you express yourself, it's still a remedy that works today. 
You can't get a healing breakthrough. This is what, why a lot of people still struggle without, uh, you know, I know by his stripes I'm healed. I know God wants me to prosper and be in health, even as my soul prospers. But my soul isn't prospering because I haven't connected the dot between a prosperous soul and positive language. And that's what's blocking the blessing. How come I can't get my breakthrough, Pastor? Let me give you a spiritual answer. Because you're, you're too negative. And you're being rebuked and that blessing is being blocked. It's right there. All you had, Father, all of a sudden I realize I've been involved in sinful, corrupt language. And I just want to uh, repent of that and change into a positive, optimistic believer. And boom, all of a sudden, there's the breakthrough. So corrupt communications could be what's blocking people's blessings. Go with me to Ephesians 4.29. The Old Testament and the New Testament connect wonderfully. They dovetail wonderfully. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. This word corrupt, when you study this word, it describes something that is putrid or rotten. Like decomposing meat that's gone bad. Expired. (laughs) Expired. We love that commercial. Bad meat has a noxious, rancid smell. And it can even make you sick to your stomach. So when the Holy Ghost inspired Paul to describe corrupt communication, he was describing communication that pollutes the atmosphere. And it makes people nauseated and sick. Why are there people in the church that are sick and feeble and struggling? 1 Corinthians 11 says, because we haven't properly discerned the things of Christ. Right? This is the effect of gossip. It causes a nauseated feeling, a sickness to come on people. But Paul's saying Christians need to learn to speak in ways that bring edification to others. It's a lesson we're still learning. We slip here and there. But our heart's desire is, I don't want to be a negative person. Help me to be a more positive, faith-filled person so that when I speak, I can move mountains. When you talk about edification, you're talking about building people up. That's what edifying means. An edifice, building up others. That's uh, Lashon Hatov. Lashon Hara does just the opposite. Evil speech does just the opposite. It tears people down. And gossip doesn't necessarily paint the whole picture. According to the Torah... Lashan Hurrah goes beyond negative speech, spreading rumors, getting caught up in hearsay and idle talk. It includes character assassination, hateful speech, 
America's in the midst of hateful speech against every side is like retaliating and trying to assassinate everybody's character. Christians can't get involved with that. Right? We don't see people based on skin color or what side of the tracks they were born. There's one cross for all colors. There's one blood shed for all colors. And whoever will come unto me. Amen. Amen. And so we need to be united. Christians need to be united. We need to not be a kingdom divided. And what divides people oftentimes is speech. I don't like this. I criticize that. I argue here. I quarrel there. Here and there, quarrel everywhere. I quarrel, quarrel. It was the sin of Lashon Hara, evil speech, that all the great Jewish rabbis teach was responsible for bringing about the destruction of Solomon's temple. It's considered to be equal with the sin of murder. One might ask, well, how can gossip be like murder? Well, in the case of murder, a person kills somebody because of some sort of motive. Typically, there's a motive. Although in these last days, with the rise of the Antichrist, the anti-church, anti-Christ, anti-one-nation-under-God movement, they don't even need a motive anymore. Or if they have a motive, it's so unreasonable, it's like, what the heck are you trying to tell me? But in the old days, a motive was like jealousy or money or power or passion. But when somebody speaks badly of others, there's generally not a motive. Because it doesn't benefit you in any way. It's just that your flesh enjoys the feeling. I want to put somebody else down, tear somebody else down, so I feel like I'm built up. And that's a problem. But the problem is is that it cuts both ways. It's a two-way street. You not only hurt others, you're corrupting your own soul. This is why Proverbs says in Proverbs 18.26, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You're going to harvest either death or life. We read that in Galatians 6. And, and what, what's the activating process? Our words. Our language. Now if you say one thing, but we're talking about habitually. This is my psyche. This is my personality. This is, this is who I am deep down to the core. I'm always cynical, always pessimistic, always complaining, always murmuring, just belly aching. And every time you come around, we want, I hear my mom calling. I don't have time to read James 3, but you read James 3. Basically, James 3 teaches about the power of your words, your tongue. If anyone can control his tongue, it proves that he has perfect control over himself in every other way. Help us control our tongue, our words, our language. 
James goes on to say the tongue is set on fire by hell itself and can turn our whole lives into a blazing flame of destruction and disaster. Why do bad things happen to good people? Maybe we're violating the principle in the Bible about controlling our words. Holy Spirit, show us. Let's hit the rewind button. I did say that. Father, forgive me. I sincerely repent and I make an effort beginning today to be a changed man or woman. Amen. See, so you can't just always blame the devil. He'll be there to give you the gas can, but you got to throw the, the gas can on the flame. Right? And look, even in a smaller way, if you want to tamp this down a little bit, Christian people have a tendency to focus on the problem instead of the promise. And, and words are very revealing. Like, here's my advice uh, as we get back into doing altar calls and the prayer team gets back in play and all of a sudden there's ministry happening at the altar. Uh, uh, Don't let the person or you don't be the person that goes up and wants to explain 20 minutes of how ugly and bad and, and terrible things are. Because you're reinforcing the wrong feelings, the wrong emotions, the wrong mindset. Pastor, I got a negative report from the doctor. And I'm here to come into agreement with you that that negative report is turned around into a good report in the name and by the blood of Jesus. As an example. All right. And this is where it says, don't come before the Lord with anxiousness and nervousness and worry. Worry doesn't release the promise of God. Praise and thanksgiving. Father, I thank you by the stripes of Jesus. I am healed. And then lather, rinse, and repeat. Or get your spiritual chalkboard out and write that 500 times. (laughs) I I came upon this quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson. And it says, people don't seem to realize that their opinion of the world is also a confession of their character. Wow. The opinions of the world reveal the kind of character. So if everything's doom and gloom, if everything's cynical, pessimistic, and negative, and all these different adjectives that we've been talking about, we need to change that. Christians need to change that. Give me a big amen. Amen. So today, I want to get into an extension to this teaching that was inspired by an essay I was reading uh, recently by Rabbi Frand called Changing the Eye. A lot of times I'll get up real early. I'm an early bird anyways. And even like today, I was up at 4 a.m. and the first thing I did was reach for my phone and go to one of my favorite Torah websites and started reading Torah articles at 4 a.m. And then I drifted back off into sleep. Now I've got that in my mind. 
all right? But this week, I was reading this article uh, by the rabbi who was giving some additional insight into overcoming this skin disease, which is really a plague. It's like a manifestation of an outward coronavirus. And it was caused, and it's still caused by Lashon Hara. And so what the rabbi was teaching, let's say the disease still continues even after you went through the priest's instructions. What do I do next? It's not working. Well, he says there's a different spiritual approach that has to be taken. And this is all so good. He points out a very unusual but revealing expression that's part of the consultation with the priest. And his the medical or the spiritual terminology is, if the lesion has not changed its eye. If the lesion, if the skin disease has not changed its eye, then do this. That's kind of an unusual diagnosis. But it is showing us a new side of spiritual cause and effect of Lashon Hurrah, the evil speech. According to the rabbi, another reason has to be considered for why am I afflicted? I'm watching my words. And in this case, this new dimension of affliction is called Tazaras Ayin. Tazaras Ayin in Hebrew, which means narrowness of the eye. And what this is referring to is something a little different than Lashan Haran, evil speech. It's describing something deeper, a negative attitude and outlook. And the definition in a, a, a rabbinical world is mean-spiritedness. A tendency to see the negative and overlook the positive in everything. It is particularly due to a lack of generosity in all things. A constricted view of the world and everything in it. So we're talking about spiritual tunnel vision. Look, the world is going to want to try to convince you there's no opportunity, there's no future, there's not enough to go around, and look, you need to uh, just accept that fact and we'll all suffer equally. That's not a principle from the Word of God. You are a child of the King. Nothing is impossible for a child of the King. And so... There's a remedy, and it's an ongoing therapy. I'm in therapy, so are you. (laughs) To transform negative attitudes, those deep-seated things, transform them into positive traits. And the afflicted person has to immediately go to work on developing a good eye. Not an evil eye, but a good eye, which is a positive attitude. Instead of being negative, mean-spirited, don't be a grouch. God, help me to transform into being a smiling, generous, optimistic, warm, and friendly person. Amen? And when you do that, then the affliction fades away. 
I wonder if that still works. I wonder if that principle still works in the kingdom of God in 2021. I can tell you this, if you don't change your ways after your altar call experience, a lot of the issues, afflictions, and troubles that you brought in to Christianity from the world are never going to go away. The devil will see to that. Now watch how this works. This is so uh, uh, powerful. The Hebrew word for affliction or lesion is nega, N-E-G-A. And the opposite Hebrew word is pleasure, spelled O-N-E-G. Both words in Hebrew are constructed of the same three letters. And if you, uh, if the letters are rearranged, then the meaning of the word is completely changed. Nega is spelled with a nun, a gimel, and a ayin. Oneg, which means pleasure, is spelled with an ayin, a nun, and a gimel. The only difference is the placement of the ayin. You move the ayin from the back to the front, and all of a sudden, affliction is transformed into pleasure. Isn't God good? When you drill into this a little bit deeper, the the Hebrew letter ayin just happens to mean I. A lot of people have eye disease. They only focus on me, myself, and I. They're stingy, they're greedy, and they look at everything as mine, mine, mine. It's like my little grandson. You know, he's not even one, but anything he can touch is his. No, that's Saba's. That's Nani's. Oh, he doesn't care about if it's Saba's or Nani's. He cares that it's mine, mine. Well, look, we're grown adults here, folks. We need to grow up a little bit and mature a little bit. And we need to see some transformation from being always afflicted into experiencing the blessing of God. And it means that we need to start seeing things differently. That's what Ayin has to do with our vision, what we see, how we view the world. If you watch news enough and you read newspapers, they're going to get, you know, I read uh, in, in this study, if it doesn't bleed, it doesn't lead. That's the media's mantra. If it doesn't bleed, in other words, bad news sells. We're not following the bad news. I'm not following Washington or Wall Street and how I construct and build up my life. I'm following the Word of God, the Bible, the principles of the Bible. We need a revival in America, in our churches to get back to the B-I-B-L-E. Amen? See, when you come into Christianity, you come out of a natural world. All right? And you're not necessarily trained to think positive. You're not trained to walk by faith, not by sight. Ever heard that scripture? 
2 Corinthians 5, 7. Walk by faith, not by feelings. Walk with a supernatural vision of the promises of God manifesting in your life. That's our goal. We need to retrain ourselves so we begin to see things with spiritual eyes. Instead of always sizing up our circumstances with, Oh me, here we go again. One step forward, a hundred steps back. Don't get your hopes up. That's not God's way. Get your hopes up. Expand your vision. God wants to do great things in your life. That's why he put all these promises in the book. But we have to contend in faith. And many times it means we have to uh, uh, put aside stinking thinking. So that we can see through the eye of faith. Listen to this quote. A vision is not just a picture of what could be. It's an appeal to our better selves. A call to become something more. That should be a a Christian motto. I serve a living God, a resurrected Savior, who's calling me to become something more. Another quote is, the first step toward creating an improved future is developing the ability to see it, to envision it. You create that inner vision through the Word of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit, through a powerful prayer life, through studying to show yourself approved and all these different things. But most of us have been raised to see life with an evil eye instead of a good eye. And the devil wants to help. Boy, isn't he a good help. The spirit of our words, our verbal communication, what we're learning is so revealing. And if we want to improve our position, we've got to change our condition. Right? Jesus explains this in Matthew 6. And especially in verse 22, he says, The eye is the lamp of the body. So if you have a good eye, that is, if you're generous, your whole body will be full of light. Right? But if you have an evil eye, if you're stingy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Look, the la- you don't want to be the last to know. You don't want to be the person described in the Peter Principle. Look that up. The Peter Principle is a matrix, and the lowest part of the matrix is being unconsciously incompetent. I don't even know I don't know. Don't be that guy. Don't be that woman. That I didn't know that. Study. That's why you're here. I'm preaching to the choir. So sing amen. (laughs) The Lord is addressing someone's character, whether they're generous or stingy. This goes back to what the rabbi's teaching. If you didn't get your healing one way, then you have to uh, address a different thing. Maybe it's not so much your words, but maybe you're a hoarder. 
I love watching hoarders on television. I, I, I've never seen, I don't even want to know. I don't want that image in my mind. A little pathway through your house with, uh, uh, what's under that? Uh. Jesus brings all of this up to help us realize you have a better side to you than this. And as believers, it's our obligation. I'll never go back to that church. They use the O word. I'm obligated to do something. Yeah, to examine yourself so that you're not self-deceived. God, I don't want to be self-deceived. That's the worst deception that I'm fooling myself and I won't believe it. And God is saying, if you'll work out your salvation... If you'll trust in me with your whole heart and lean not to the way you used to do it, the way you used to think about it, but you'll start learning the new truths about being positive and generous, all of a sudden you've uh, changed your condition and what's going to follow? There's going to be a change in your position. Somebody's about ready to be elevated. You know, one of the, uh, the greatest single secrets of winning the spiritual warfare battle and improving your position in life is in Matthew 12. In verse 33, Jesus said, Make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. And then he goes on to say, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And a good man or a good woman, out of the good treasure of their heart, we're talking about the soul, the inner man, the inner woman, your spirit and soul, your heart, a good man, a good woman, out of the good treasure of their heart, brings forth good things. While an evil man out of the evil treasure And for you and I, it's probably, you just never changed treasures. You never changed the way you thought. You never changed your philosophy of life, your view of the world, how you size things up, your opinions, your values, your beliefs, your ideals never change. I I believe in Jesus Christ with my, but something on the inside isn't congruent with that confession of faith. And that's why there's not enough advancement and people get flustered and frustrated. Why am I not advanced? Because your deep inner values are not congruent with what you're learning. It's called being a Sunday Christian. Paul, the apostle, wrote to the Corinthians, I'm afraid that when I come, I won't like what I find. You won't like how I respond. 2 Corinthians 12, 20. I'm afraid that I'm going to come and find quarrels and jealousy and anger and selfishness and slander and gossip and arrogance and disorderly behavior. That's quite a list, Paul. But he's saying, I'm concerned that the church, he's writing to the church, wasn't grasping the concept that words are seeds. And they grow like weeds. And they generate strife and division and all kinds of problems. 
negative thoughts, worry, pessimism, cynicism lodged in our heart is going to come out because out of the abundance of the Father, heal my heart. Break every curse that's associated with these attributes and fill me with the fruit of the Spirit. And suddenly, as you begin to get it, bam, a light bulb went. I get it. I'm understanding this. That's the foundation for a successful life. That's how you transform. And that's how you get rid of afflictions. Ralph Waldo Emerson, I said it earlier, people don't seem to realize their opinion of the world is also a confession of their character. Character isn't something you were born with. Jim Rome, the great motivational and business speaker, says, character isn't something you were, uh, isn't something you were born with and can't change. Like your fingerprints. It's something you weren't born with and must take responsibility for forming. And that's why a lot of people backslide. The guy at the altar call said, there's nothing I have to do. (laughs) And all of a sudden, you get a lesson like this and realize, oh my gosh, I got to work on myself? Well, it's better for you to work on yourself now Instead of going and standing at the pearly gates and wondering whether you're going to get in. (laughs) One other man said, you can't dream yourself into character. You must hammer and forge yourself one. Wise words. So as we uh, close today, uh, There's a connection between this teaching and the Shema, the famous Jewish prayer, the most powerful prayer in Judaism. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. In the original Torah text and in Torah scrolls, there's a curious situation with the Shema in that The letter Ayin that we were just talking about is one of the letters in the first word, here. And it's oversized. God had Moses write it in there from the beginning. It's an oversized letter larger than all the other letters in the Torah. And God has Moses enlarge the spelling so that people for ages would realize what's God trying to say here. And what does God want us to notice? Well, for one thing, that we're supposed to both hear and see that there is just one true God. And there's just one true Bible. Amen? Amen. But he also wants us to hear and see. Hear, O Christian! See that I am good, that my principles are good, that being positive, putting a guard on your mouth, uh, 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 rejecting pessimism and cynicism and negativity, 
bringing into my life and my family and my children and grandchildren an optimistic viewpoint of life. Don't let the world right now try to lure you into everything negative and hopeless and you've got no chance. With God, nothing is impossible. No matter who you are, where you've come from, what your background is, God will elevate you when you, uh, uh, He'll improve your position when you start changing your condition. Amen. Well, do you say amen? Give the Lord another praise. We're going to end it right there. I love you. God bless you. Have a great, great morning. Thank you for coming. And we'll see you next Sunday.